Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege, before we delve into the topics that we want to talk about on this Thursday edition of the CJ Show, we have not one, but two, two announcements for everyone. Two announcements. I mean, we're, we're a network that's always putting out these announcements and say, hey, there's going to be an announcement. We have two of these. This is our way of upstaging the SDP as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure we can upstage those guys, but it's nice to be competing with them. At the very least. In the their, first in announcement. Their league, in their ballpark. Yeah, in their, in their network at the very least. The first of the two announcements. Uh, if you were watching Game Over with Andrew Berkshire on Tuesday, you may have already heard. But we, well, actually I say we, big shout out to uh, Jamie and Rob, the mods at the SDPN for putting this together for us. We have put together a CJ Show fan poll. And through that poll, you can let us know who you think should win all the individual NHL awards. So we'll have the form out. You'll be able to log in, put in your choices, and let us know who you think is going to win the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, uh, the Rocket Prashara Trophy even, all the major individual awards. And we are going to be taking in submissions up until about May 1st. That's about Sunday at midnight. Up until then, we're going to take in submissions off that. And then on the ensuing uh, CJ Show episode, which will come the Monday, which should be the start of the playoffs, uh, we'll go through what most of the uh, respondents chose for some of the individual awards. What do you think of that, Siege? I like it. We'll go through and say why the audience was wrong. Wow. How dare you discount the knowledge of the SDPN, alienating potential respondents already. I'm just kidding. I'm actually fascinated to see you you know, where we get to with this, how many people respond, you know, there's obviously some really close races. I think the Hart trophy is going to be difficult this year. You know, the Norris, depending on how you look at Roman Yossi, maybe he's pulled away with the, the stretch he's had, but, you know, I think Victor Hedman and Kale McCarr have, you know, something to say there, you know, the, uh, the Calder trophy is seen a lot of debate on my Twitter feed uh, because of the age of Michael Bunting who's leading the all rookies in scoring and the fact he plays for the Maple Leafs, I'm sure. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of close races to call. Yeah, so you can voice your opinion through that poll, which should be out now, and you have until May 1st. That's the uh, at midnight. May 1st at midnight. You have until then to let us know who you're picking. So that's the first announcement. The second one, CJ Show Fan Friday is tomorrow. And uh, what is CJ Show Fan Friday? CJ, do you know what CJ Show Fan Friday is? Tell me about it. I know a little bit, but I need to know more. Okay. So for everyone who loves to do it, you know, share a photo of them watching our show or listening to our show. We appreciate you very, very much. What if you were to do that and you had a chance to win a $100 gift card from the SDPN that you could use at the store? That's a big money gift card, brother. Hey, you know what I'm saying? A big buddy gift card delivered from the SDPN. So all you have to do on Friday is share a photo of yourself watching or listening to the show up on social media, tag SDPN sports, and you have a chance at winning 
a $100 gift card from the SDPN shop. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. I'm excited for that. Like, where are people listening to us? Like, what are we going to see here? Like, what kind of photos? Random ass places, my guess. Like people watching in their living rooms. That's cool to see people like in their living rooms, put us up on their big screen TVs, like on YouTube or whatever. Maybe people on the bus, maybe people uh, going up to the cottage for the weekend. I don't know. Think a little bigger, man. We might have like someone backpacking in Europe or something right now, listening to our show. Keep it up on what's going on in the NHL while they're away or something like that. You never know. I I hope we're able to. Listeners that live in Europe, regular listeners that live all the way across the ocean, man. There was a guy on a previous episode who let us know he was listening from Iran. Like that was cool. That was awesome, man. And the power of the show and the reach that it has just in the short amount of time that we've been doing it, man, I'm, I'm, I've never lost sight of that. I've lost sight of that. And I'm thankful for every listener and, and watcher that we get. That that's that that really means a lot to both of us. It bends my brain that people are this committed. So I'm really, really pleased by that. Yeah. So those are the two announcements. Uh, you can let us know through our fan poll who you think should win any particular NHL award. And if you tweet at us a photo of you watching or listening to the CJ show, specifically at SDPN Sports, you have a chance at winning a $100 gift card from the SDPN. And with that, let's get to these topics. Let's start with the Vegas Golden Knights. By the skin of their teeth, getting a win over the Washington Capitals on on Wednesday night. It happens to coincide with uh, one Alexander Ovechkin also scoring his 50th of the season. He now has tied Mike Bossy and Wayne Gretzky for most 50 goal seasons at nine, which I mean, yes, that's a pretty significant point of NHL history there, but I want to focus a little bit more on Vegas first, before we talk a little bit more about Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, They're a team that is obviously fighting for its playoff lives and they've made a lot of moves to put themselves in a position where they should be a playoff team, but injuries have obviously struck them in different ways and they're in the position that they're in right now. I'm just curious from your vantage point siege with the golden Knights, if they miss the playoffs, how do you, how would you rate and, and grade their season? Do you see it as a failure? Do you take the injuries for what they are? How do you see it? Well, you can't look past the injuries, honestly. And, you know, I know it's, it's a lame excuse and every team has to deal with injuries and lots of teams that are going to make the playoffs uh, have had some significant players miss time with injury, but you know, for Vegas, it, it, it's been all year long. You know, I remember at the beginning of the year in November, I think they came through Toronto. They had like seven or eight guys out of that game. You know, obviously they make the Eichel trade soon after that, but he can't play for a while. They, they lose Mark Stone, Alec Martinez, Riley Smith, their backup goaltender, Laurent Boisois, down and down and down the list. Max Pacioretty missed time. I mean, it, it's impossible to look at their season and not point out that fact, you know, that, that most of the, their best players have just missed time at some point during this year. And that's contributed to where they're at, but you know, it's still a, a small F failure, I guess, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come down too hard on them. You know, there was a year that the Tampa Bay lightning missed the playoffs in in the midst of this tremendous run they've been on. And if you look back, it was mostly just injuries. They didn't have to reinvent the wheel and they, you know, went on and became a team that won the Stanley cup. You know, I, I think Vegas will be a good team next year. Um, no matter, no matter what happens in these last few games, you know, they're still facing a huge uphill climb to the playoffs. I, you know, I frankly don't expect them to be able to get in, um, you know, with LA getting a, a big win this week 
Vancouver's come on, you know, Dallas is there. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of teams for them to leapfrog and not a lot of runway to get it done. But, you know, I think they're, they're going to be facing an off season with changes, but I don't, I don't sure you should be reacting to what happened this season when you're informing those changes. That Tampa Bay lightning season you're referring to is probably the 2016, 2017 season where they had all those injuries and they call up a whole bunch of guys from the HL to try to fill in the gaps. And they very nearly made a chart and almost made the playoffs. They made a charge near the end of the year and they almost made it. They traded veterans at the deadline too. They traded Brian Boyle to Toronto, Valtteri Popla, I believe got traded at that deadline. Like they, they, they basically, I give them credit. Like this is where I think Steve Eisenman has excelled as a general manager. And, and obviously the Detroit story is a little different one. He's, you know, I just saw he passed three years there now, but it's a rebuild, but, you know, sort of awareness of where you're at. They, they use that, that blip as an unfortunate year, difficult season for the franchise, but they got some assets. As you say, they nearly I think Ben Bishop might've got traded that, that season as well. Uh, and then they reloaded and look what they've done since. So it's, you know, not every year is going to go your way. I think it's, it's one thing that in hockey, we still come to terms with, I think when we look at teams is that there is still some sort of luck involved. And, and obviously what you're doing is trying to control your own luck as much as you can, but you know, things like injuries, sometimes it's not because you have a poor program or bad, you know, medical health team. I mean, sometimes, sometimes shit happens, man. Like it's, it's just a fact. I think this is a shit happen season for Vegas. A lot of shit happened. What good for them, you know, in, in their previous four years. Right. I mean, they, they've, you know, had a start to their their franchise unlike anything we could have ever imagined, unlike anything we've ever seen in NHL history. So, you know, perhaps there was some good fortune. They had a good run at the slot machine there for a few years, and they're, they're on a bad beat uh, this season. So what does that say for a guy like Jack Eichel, who went through all those years in Buffalo of not making the playoffs, and then he ends up on a team where there's a chance they missed the playoffs here too? What does that say about his luck? It's not good, but I, I think that if you're Jack Eichel, you're just excited – to be back, to be playing, you know, he's going to be so much better next season. I, I just believe that having got back and played these games and, and getting familiar in a new environment, then he gets an entire summer. There's nothing hanging over his head. Uh, you know, Knockwood, let's hope he's still in good health, but, but that he can just train and know he's going to be a gold knight for the foreseeable future. And, and, you know, I think there's still a lot to be excited about that organization. So, um, you know, it's not a, can't be a great feeling, and I saw that graphic bouncing around from the 2015 draft, you know, number of playoff games played and, you know, Connor McDavid and, and Jack Eichel is still at zero, but, you know, the one and two from that draft are pretty far down the list. Um, but, you know, I, I think you'll be playing playoff games. It's just probably going to be in 2023 rather than 2022. Yeah, seeing Jack Eichel at zero at that list, I think that's what you – I think you were trying to say that Connor McDavid's on that list and Jack Eichel's still at zero. Like, that's – They're, it, they're both to, down the list, though, right? I think Anthony they're both down, yes. might have been at the top, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I mean – this is the thing with the lottery and they've at least changed the lottery now where the number one pick could go to a team that isn't that far away. But when the odds were the way they were back in 2015, basically the last place teams were picking one and two. And so if you're joining a last place team is even if you're Connor McDavid and you win all these scoring titles or you're Jack Eichel, like it's a lot more needs to happen for those organizations to get back to being, you know, great teams. Um, and so it makes sense. Someone that gets picked in the second round like Sorelli would be at the top because he joined a really good team. I'll mention this with Vegas. So they get the OT win over Washington. They have the Sharks on Sunday. These guys don't play until Sunday now. And then the Dallas starts next Tuesday, next Wednesday, Chicago. And then they end their season against the St. Louis Blues next Friday night. 
So a lot of sitting and anxious waiting around until they could play again on Sunday against San Jose. And right now they're out of a playoff spot right now, still trailing uh, for a spot in the wild card or in the Pacific and the Vancouver Canucks who they lost in overtime to the Ottawa senators. And they pretty much need to play perfect down the stretch, but they still have a faint chance of making the playoffs themselves. What do you think of the Vancouver Canucks at this point? Well, Tip your hat to them. I mean, they've been on a crazy heater here the last little bit. And really, if you go back to when Bruce Boudreaux was hired in December to replace Travis Green, they're a top 10 team in the league by record in points gained. So, you know, considering where he took over that team, I remember, Julian, our, our first whack of episodes at the start of this season was all like, what's going on in Vancouver? You know, this team should be better and, and it really should have been better. And what's been proven is, you know, they made a change. Uh, and you know they, they've with you know without really rehaul overhauling the, the roster they've they've gotten a lot better results. I think time's going to run out on them too. But I guess if you're a Canuck right now or remember the Golden Knights, you're thinking we have to we have to run the table. We have to win out from here. I think they both can get to 97 points by by winning out. You know that has been in the past a number of points that's that's got a team into the playoffs, but it's right over on, on the do or don't mark. If you even surrender a point or two and you can only get to 95 or 96, 94, I mean, I just don't see those totals getting you a wildcard spot in the Western Conference. So I, I think the focus has to be winning the rest of the games and then hoping that the, the results in the other cities help you out. And that's not and, and for them to do that, you have to talk about a game against the Minnesota Wild. That, so that'll come out tonight. Uh, and then on Saturday, they have the Calgary Flames. So you have to go through two cup contending teams in your attempt to run the table. And then you have the Seattle Kraken on the Tuesday. And then on Thursday, if the Canucks find themselves in a position where they run the table, uh, I've seen people describe it as a potential game of the year candidate against the Los Angeles Kings on April, on April 28th to end off their season. Like there's a part of me, I said earlier on another podcast, like I really want the Vancouver Canucks to put themselves in a position to do it. I love these playoff races, especially when they get down to the wire. But it's just that those Minnesota and Calgary Flames, both those games on the road, too, that is what scares me the most with the Vancouver Canucks, admittedly. But if they find a way to clear those hurdles and give themselves a chance, all bets are off. The Seattle game would scare me, too, though. Like, even if they go in and beat the Wild and the Flames, which would be, you know, a great achievement, you know, would be, under the circumstances, huge victories. You know, then you're playing a team that they have nothing to play for but to spoil your hopes and dreams. I mean, the Kraken players know they're on vacation in a week and a half. I mean, I just think... Sometimes those games that would that would scare me too. I mean, there's no easy game at this time of year when you have to win them all. Uh, but let's hope that that Kings Canucks game has has some meaning. Let's hope that the playoff race goes down to Thursday or Friday of next week uh, because I think it'd be great drama. And you know, that's the only thing that that's almost better than maybe a playoff game is is a game with everything on the line. Your whole season, you play 81 games and you have you face that 82nd game and it carries consequences. I think is is a pretty cool thing. And we, we really don't get it every season. We, we may or may not get one this year. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm really, really rooting for one, but it's just looking like right now, man, it's going to be very tough for them to, to do that. And to your point, the uh, Canucks are coming off a shootout loss against the Ottawa Senators, which snapped their winning streak and kind of put them in the situation that they're in right now. So they really, really cannot afford to slip up on that. With Alexander Ovechkin, you have to acknowledge uh, that he did reach the 50-goal mark against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights on Wednesday. Uh, if we're keeping it strictly to, to – I mean, I feel like we kind of have to. We Keeping it strictly to his on-ice achievements and accomplishments, 
you know, this is a player who is on the chase that he's on uh, for greatness for, for Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record. And the fact that he's scoring at the rate that he's scoring is still something that is very noteworthy. I saw this weird tweet before we got going this morning. Uh, a writer from the Washington Post uh, was quoting Pierre Maguire back in like 2013. And Pierre Maguire at that time, I think, was asked if uh, Alexander Ovechkin would ever score 50 goals in a season ever again. This was in 2013. Is that the I off the top of my head, I want to say yes, but I, I don't remember when, it, when, his, like, when he was playing like 14 minutes a game and it looked like his career was going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And Pierre said, no, I do not. He did not think Ovechkin would be able to do it. And he's since done it like five more times. He almost did it a sixth time. It was at 49. And that just happened to be the year he won the Stanley cup. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, the story of this guy's hockey career is longevity. Um, I think I've pointed out in podcast past. I mean, he was definitely the greatest goal scorer of a lot of the seasons he played in the NHL. But I think the fact he's still one of the greatest goal scorers well into his 30s and after all the games he's played, you know, he's been remarkably durable too throughout his career. You know, that's what's put him in a position to take down Wayne Gretzky's record more than anything. It's just that there hasn't been that much fall off in production and he's played a lot of games, which is, you know, that's, that's difficult to do. You know, some players get to like 29, 30, 31, their bodies are breaking down. They're, they're just constantly injured. It's a, it's a bad cycle that leads to being out of the league. And so, you know, even any of the great players now, and I'm not even going to name names because I'm not trying to like put it into the universe, but we can't guarantee any of the young stars of the league will get 10 or 15 great years just because, you know, let's use the example of Mike Bossy, right? He was the, the greatest goal scorer of his generation, but he only got 10 NHL seasons because he had serious back issues that, that ended his career prematurely. And so, you know, that that can happen. And, and you know, if that didn't happen in this alternate universe, maybe Mike Bossy has the goal scoring record. I mean, it, it's it's entirely possible given the rate at which he scored. He certainly scored goals at a higher rate than anyone in, in league history. So, you know, the testament to Ovechkin, I think, is that he's maintained health, played this long and and there's no fall off. I mean, still not a guarantee. He's still got to average what 30 a year for the next three or four seasons to get there. Like it's, you know, which is, it looks easy when you look at, when you go down his hockey DB page and see how many years he's had 50 or a couple in the sixties. And then, you know, even forties, it looks like 30 would be easy, but you know, if, if health or something else gets in the way, it might not be as easy as, as it, it almost seems inevitable now, but I'm, what I'm saying is that any longevity record is not inevitable. I mean, I'm a, Big Tiger Woods fan. I've talked about it on the podcast. There was a point where him beating Jack Nicholas's 18 majors looked inevitable. And then he won one over a 10 or 12 year stretch. So th- that that can happen. I mean, any longevity record is very difficult in sports because we, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And then you see people like Tom Brady still balling on an NFL field at the age of, you know, what, 43, Four, 44. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that's what it, that the weird thing with father time, it will always remain undefeated. And while you see people get constantly beat by father time, when you see people give it a real run for it, like you, it, it really is just something to behold. And Alexander Ovechkin uh, is one of those people trying to fight father time and a guy who now holds the record for most goals in a single season by a play by a player age 36 or older, surpassing to Timo Solani's record. Like the fact that we look at him and think, man, he could really do this. Like, this is really incredible to see. Like he's not a spring chicken guy. Like he's up there in age and he's still able to do it. 
people, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at this point if he had like one more season where he got to 50 goals. He's playing like he could still do it. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against it. You know, it's also a difficult subject to discuss given what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and not to yes. make it about that. But like, I think that, you know, probably his achievements aren't being discussed in the same way uh, because of, you know, his, his alignment with Vladimir Putin specifically. You know, last I checked, he still had his photo with him on, on the Instagram page. Um, and so it's kind of an uncomfortable time to talk about him too. And, and his on ice exploits, it's hard to ignore what's happened off ice. You know, I don't know if you saw, but there was a broadcaster play by play in the Finnish language broadcast who, who recently did a game and he didn't even refer to Alex Ovechkin by name. He, you know, called him Washington player number eight or the Washington captain. Um, but, but, you know, didn't use his name and, and, you know, a little, probably even heightened sensitivity in a, in a country like Finland, which borders Russia, of course, given, um, you know, what's going on in, in Ukraine. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a complicated topic for me. And, and, you know, I, I don't personally know quite how to handle it either. You know, I, I do want to celebrate what he's brought to the sport. Cause I think a lot of it's been, been great for the NHL. It's always been great for the Capitals franchise, but then there's this awkward cross-section here where he's, he's achieving this and, and we're going to celebrate all these goals at a time when, you know, he's got an association with someone who's, you know, basically leading the, the invasion of another country. I really like how you put it because it's awkward for me too, especially as someone who grew up as like a fan, like a genuine fan of his, of his abilities and seeing him do this now, like when I heard it happen, I kind of was just like, Oh, okay. This is something that in any other circumstance we would be celebrating and there would be way more, maybe not necessarily attention, but way more fanfare around it. It is a little bit more subdued, at least for me. It's very muted. Absolutely. But that's just what has to happen when you have the alignments and the leanings that one does. And it does absolutely make it difficult to uh, like celebrate at the same time. And I was thinking about this, I guess kind of pulling the curtain back here for the, for this episode and how we plan stuff. Like, look, you can't ignore what Alexander Ovechkin is doing with, with the goal scoring, right? Like it's, it's kind of a tough thing. Like, yeah, I think you can, like, I think that's what some people are doing. Like, I know that we haven't had it sort of an outright ban in Canada or in the U S of talking about them, but I think some people are just choosing not to, to celebrate the on ice stuff because of those ties. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what we should be doing. Maybe we should, shouldn't, shouldn't even mention them in this episode. Like I, and again, I don't have a strong feeling Julian, what's right about, mm. in terms of how to treat this, but I'm acknowledging that it's awkward or that it's uncomfortable or that for me, it, we just haven't, we haven't faced this a lot, honestly, in, in my years covering hockey, I, I guess there's probably been some bad actors, some bad characters, but we, we haven't always known about this kind of, and we, and we don't, listen, we don't truly know where it all comes from. Like, that's the thing. I don't, it's hard to, but, but, you know, he hasn't distanced himself in any way. And so I think he's, he's subjected himself to this kind of criticism, obviously. Yeah, he absolutely did. And this, and and me, and me mentioning this is not in me in any way celebrating it. I think, like I said, different circumstances, I think other people would. I do appreciate how the discussion is we're putting it out there. Like it's very awkward. This should be a much different situation, but it is so awkward to look at him in that light. And as like a great goal scorer and just kind of keep it at that, because look, we, we don't do that here. At least I don't do that. I know you don't do that. You, we don't just stick, keep it to sports. And if you're coming here for that, I'm sorry, but 
Yeah. And who knows how long this will continue to be complicated with regards to Alexander Ovechkin. But I still think just at least acknowledging that it happened, like, it, I don't know, just the NHL still acknowledges it. If you hear the reactions from Capitals players and 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 even Golden Knights players after it happened, like it, it's it's still like a story. It's just it is understandably very awkward to try to maneuver through. And I appreciate the fact that we were able to put that part of the discussion out in the open for our listeners, because I think they appreciate that, especially with how we've discussed Alexander Ovechkin in the past. So I'm willing to leave that there. Uh, and I will admit for the next topic that we want to discuss, it's not going to get any more comfortable because we're going to discuss Evander Kane and the grievance hearing that he's going through in New York city. Uh, for those trying to get up to speed when he was with the member, when he was a member of the San Jose sharks, he had a contract with them, uh, that he was found to be in breach of mostly for violating COVID protocols. And it got to a point where he was placed on unconditional waivers by the sharks They got to a point where he was able to clear that. And as a result, the Sharks were pretty much clear of paying out nearly $23 million over the next four seasons for Evander Kane. The NHLPA files a grievance on his behalf. And now we are seeing it battle out in a courtroom in New York. Evander Kane was there on Wednesday. Uh, It's my understanding Uh, I believe it was either you or Pierre who might have mentioned it on Insider Trading, that this is something that could take a matter of months, maybe not even necessarily weeks. I think it was you actually said that specifically. This is something that could take a while before it's decided. Why does it need to take so long and what needs to be figured out to get to a resolution? Well, it's a complex case for starters. You know, this isn't this isn't any sort of trial to do with Evander Kane's reputation, what he has or hasn't done. It's whether the Sharks had the legal right to terminate his contract. You know, NHL player contracts are guaranteed. Uh, as, as we've talked about, you have a number of players that are injured uh, beyond their ability to keep playing and they, they get paid for three or four or five more seasons beyond that because those contracts are guaranteed. And so a team can't just terminate a contract without, I mean, there are certain cases where a team and a player will agree to terminate a contract, say uh, certainly for usually lower price contracts. And when we're talking about if a guy wants to go home to Europe to play, it's not working out for him in North America. I think of you know defenseman like Miko Lettinen this year terminated his contract mutually with Columbus and went to and played in the KHL for the rest of the year. You know you can do that, but if if the player isn't in agreement, the team has to show a breach of contract, and so that's essentially what this case is about. Um, you know Evander Kane violated the the COVID protocol uh, while playing in the AHL uh, for the Barracuda, San Jose's affiliate there. And they use that as a way to an, an opening to, to void the contract. And now an arbitrator, a neutral arbitrator, has to decide whether that was grounds to do so. And, you know, where I think this is interesting is it's a lot of money, uh, for lack of a better word. And we don't know what the arbitrator will decide. There's, there's a chance the arbitrator will say you can't void that contract. And theoretically, Evander Kane could then become property of the San Jose Sharks again. That's that's within the realm of possibility. I'm not predicting that will happen. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. will happen, but there's there's a chance they'll say this is still a binding contract, uh, and then maybe San Jose has to buy them out from that point. Uh, you know, maybe they have to trade that contract. You know, I don't know what would happen. There, there could be an agreement where the parties reach some sort of settlement where the Sharks pay them some portion of that 23 million. The contract itself is uh, completely wiped away. Maybe San Jose incurs a cap charge as a result of that. Uh, we saw that in the the Mike Richards case with the LA Kings years ago. You know, ultimately they agreed to pay out some portion of his contract. I believe LA is still tagged uh, each season now with with a penalty to do with that that buyout. 
that was essentially reached or termination. And so, you know, this could go a couple of ways. And, and then, the, you know, the other reason it's going to take a while, they had a hearing all day Tuesday. And then Evander Kane had to fly back to Edmonton and play for the Oilers. And they didn't get through all the, you know, everything that has to get, you know, worked through in the hearing. And, and, you know, obviously the Oilers are a team that are going to the playoffs. You know, I don't know when they're going to be able to schedule, uh, you know, the, the next version of that hearing. And so that that's going to delay the ultimate ruling here as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's a complex case. It could, it could carry, um, it could carry some repercussions for future situations. And obviously there's, there's a lot of money at stake. And so, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be tied up in the courts. These aren't public courts, but in, in the courts the, of the way the NHL mediates these types of things, you know, for quite some time. In terms of precedent, is is the Mike Richards case, and if you can, just add a little bit more context to that case for people who don't remember, is that standing as the closest thing to a precedent for either side to kind of look upon for this case for Vander Kane? For me, it's it's it points us to where the most likely outcome is. I mean – Look, I guess the other two things I didn't say that are possible, it's possible that the arbitrator says, that, you know what, San Jose, you, you had full right to do what you did. Yeah, this is fine. This is a terminated contract. You don't owe him anything. So that's possible. Mm-hmm. Or, and similarly, he could say, wait, you can't terminate this at all. You, you know, he's back on your team. You owe him back pay for this season. Um, you know, you got to figure out what you're doing with that. You know, what happened in the Richards case, and it was after he got caught crossing the border I believe with non-prescription medications, some sort of painkillers, um, basically violated a law. And and they, the, the Kings, attempted to avoid his contract. They, they reached a settlement where they had to pay him out. Uh, it allowed him to continue his career. I believe he signed in Washington after that point. And LA wasn't completely removed of, of the cap charge for Mike Richards. They, they had some modified cap charge. I, I think that's likely where this is headed. Uh, versus the possibility that it's, oh, yes, this contract's, you know, fully in place still or it's it's fully gone and you don't owe him anything. You know, I, I imagine some kind of settlements reach. And so that's why I think it doesn't maybe tell us how much money he's going to get or how big the cap charge is, but I think it points us to where a solution might be. Um, because at a certain point, it's risky for either side, right? If you wait until the arbitrator rules, again, San Jose might end up with this full cap charge, or Evander Kane might end up with no money, like $0 from that, that contract. And so in some ways, the system is set up where it's incentivizes both sides to reach an agreement because at least you're, you're sort of you're splitting it in half a little bit. You're not going to get the full cap charge by doing that. Evander Kane might not get the full $23 million, but maybe maybe $12 million sounds good to him and, 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 so, and they can move on. So, um, you know, we'll see how those talks go, but I, I still think you're going to see at least one more day of hearings before this happens. And as I say, timing's a little complicated with the playoffs coming up. And then, you know, at some point you think before free agency, the sharks need to know what, what, if any cap liability they have here. Yeah. And Evander Kane, you mentioned the fact that he is trying to help the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs. That's another guy we've discussed at length on the show. And, and with his previous transgressions leading up to the point that he's at right now, we've made it pretty clear. That this is a guy who has to do the work to be given a proper sec, proper benefit of the doubt or second chance, or maybe he's not even at that point where he's warranted being given one, but the Edmonton Oilers have given one. Um, I'm really cu- I'm not curious, but like, have you like heard other stuff? We've seen like Instagram posts from significant others and all that with him as well. It, it's still just a bit of another tricky situation when it comes to Evander Kane, as far as I'm concerned, with just off the ice. It doesn't seem as if everything is quiet as it should be. It's a bit no. weird. 
No, it is. I mean, look, he's gone through bankruptcy recently. You know, for a guy who's made fifty to sixty million in his career, he's he's in a really difficult spot. He's he's made some bad choices. I think that's that's evident um, and maybe understated. I mean, he's been involved with police. There's just a lot of things around him. There's there's also been allegations made against him that weren't proven too. So, you know, it's it's tough to separate completely fact from fiction. You know, when it comes to his time in Edmonton, you know, from what I've heard, everything's been great. Now, it's probably the best circumstances for that to be the case. You know, he's only signed a one-year deal. And in this case, it's basically a half-season deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a, he's trying to rebuild his career. He's trying to get another larger contract down the road. So he's had a lot of incentive, I would say, to to keep it between the lines, to, to just play hockey and perform and, and put himself in a spot this summer where he's going to be a free agent again. And, and we'll see what kind of deal he might get, where, where he'll land. I mean, on ice, I don't think there's anything you can poke a hole through in Edmonton. He's, he's still scoring at a great rate, both goals and points, um, you know, playing reasonably big minutes there. Haven't heard any concerns out of that organization about his behavior or anything like that. But I think the true test of course, is if someone commits a bit of term to him, you know, what happens? You know, we, we heard similar things when he first got traded from Buffalo to San Jose uh, at that trade deadline that, that, Oh, you know, this he's fitting in great. It's working out well. They signed him to a seven year extension and then problems came around. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we can pronounce him having done the work or everything. You know, he's completely turned the corner. I think he's got to show it over a period of time, but to his credit, uh, as a member of the Oilers, there's, there's been no concerns, at least that I'm aware of. Okay. Let's go from that topic to another one that uh, seemed to break out on Wednesday as well. Uh, the new president and CEO of Hockey Canada it used to be Tom Rennie. He is, he is uh, retiring, and now it's Scott Smith taking over. Any quick things on him? What should Hockey Canada expect from him or anything else we don't really know about him and what he could be doing for the organization going forward? Well, I think the, the high-level way to look at it is Scott Smith's worked for Hockey Canada for 25 years, and he's been very, very involved at the highest levels of their, their business operation for the last number of years, he's been the president and chief operating officer. Now he's adding the CEO title uh, to his, his repertoire. But but what this suggests to me is I wouldn't expect to see any drastic changes in that organization. You know, I don't think anyone from the outside will notice any change, frankly. Um, and, and so he might not be a known commodity, maybe for the, the hockey watching public, but certainly anyone that's been inside the sport like myself, you know, I've known Scott Smith for a long time. Met him actually in Russia at the World Championships in 2007 uh, when he was was doing a lower job within Hockey Canada. So, you know, I think that you'll see a lot of continuity there. And, you know, this is a big time business-wise too for Hockey Canada, you know, much like everybody else coming out of the pandemic. Almost very few businesses have thrived during this, right? So the, if you're in the boardroom of any major company, I think you're, you're trying to find where you can regain your market cap, where you can, you know, where there's going to be opportunities with the world opening up again. And, you know, Hockey Canada is going to host a World Junior and Ivan Holinka tournament in Edmonton this summer. Then there's going to be another World Junior in Canada in December and January of 2023. So in the next, what, seven, eight months, there's going to be two World Junior tournaments in Canada. You know, the World Cup isn't far around the corner. Um, so, yeah, I think this is an important time for Hockey Canada as an organization. And, and the fact that Scott Smith has been there, understands the dynamics, is very, you know, strong business background, you know, that, that bodes well for the organization. And I think truthfully, he's handled a lot of the responsibilities of this job as Tom Reddy's moved towards retirement. You know, Tom's just at the age he, he wants to step aside, spend more time with his family, 
fully earned the opportunity to do that. And so I think that that this will be a really smooth transition because internally everyone's sort of known it was going this way. And now it's just official publicly after the, the press conference they had in Calgary on Wednesday. Okay. Scott Smith, the new head man in charge at Hockey Canada. Uh, one last thing before we get to stick taps. This, this episode has flown by with all the topics we've been able to get through. Um, Pierre Lebrun put out an article about some of the coaches on either interim deals or like one-year contracts or anything like that. Ten of them. That's insane. Ten That's guys nuts. don't have a deal for next season. Ten head coaches are interim head coaches. That's nuts. Like, like, I mean, I, like being in Montreal, see the Martin St. Louis thing play out. That's one guy who I'd be stunned if he didn't come back. But any general thoughts on some of the other coaches around, like a Derek King in Chicago or Bruce Boudreaux in, in Vancouver or any other guys on that list? Well, we should point out. So there's 10 that don't have a contract today. There's probably four or five that I think, like reasonably without even much thought, would think we'll get one. Like Andrew Burnett, for example, has been the interim head coach of the Panthers. You know, they're, they're right at the top of the league. I, I can't imagine a scenario where he's not their head coach next season. Uh, it just hasn't happened yet officially. You know, Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, um, the team's done well since that coaching change. You know, Ken Holland and, and the Oilers don't want to deal with it till the offseason, but I think it's very likely he's back. You know, the Boudreaux one will be interesting. It, it sounds like all indications are Vancouver's leaning that way, but, you know, again, they're going to wait till the dust settles on their season. He actually has an option for next year, so the team has to decide whether to pick up that option or not. If they don't exercise that option, they have to pay him money to go away, essentially. It's, you know, part of what the, the language in his deal so, you know, that's a factor. But, you know, I think given their performance, as mentioned earlier in this episode, it, it would be reasonable to think that he's back. Um, you know, Marty San Louis, uh, no brainer that the Montreal will keep him. So, you know, we're getting through the list. Um, and those those guys, I think, are all reasonably going to have jobs next season. You know, you got John Hines in Nashville. The Predators look like they're going to make the playoffs. You know, I would think that, that he's in a good spot. So it's not as though all these 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 men are going to lose their jobs, but it's just, it's, I think it's a, a higher, there's more uncertainty than you would usually see. I mean, it was, it used to be at one point industry standard, you almost didn't want to coach in the final year of his deal just because there was this notion that the players would sense, you know, that there's, there's maybe not full leadership at the top or that there's an opportunity to slack off, what have you. And so, you know, often mm. you just, in the old days, and I don't mean this, this far back, I'm going back five years you rarely saw a coach just get to the final year of his deal. Usually if, even if the team wasn't sure, they just extend uh, that person by a year, just to at least, you know, not have the notion out there that they were in a lame duck position. Well, now you've got nearly a third of the league in that spot. I think it's proven. It doesn't mean the team isn't going to play well. I mean, it's hard to look at the Panthers or the Canucks or even the Oilers and say, Oh yeah, these, you know, they didn't, they didn't respond well when there was a change in, in the coaching ranks, even if that person didn't have security. So you know, I think this is kind of an evolution uh, maybe of, of how a GM's approach that position. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy offseason, I would think, with with some off-ice moves, you know, at the coaching level. You know, wonder what Winnipeg's going to do, for example. Dave Lowry's there, an interim coach. A lot of their staff has been there a long time, doesn't have contracts, and obviously it's not been a great year for the Jets. So, you know, big decision for the organization there. You know, I'm not sure what will happen in Chicago with Derek King. Um, I know that the – it's been really appreciated how he sort of changed the mood around their team, you know, from, from where it was at the start of the year, whether it earns him more time or not, you know, remains to be seen. You know, I think the Rick bonus in Dallas, you know, is likely leaning towards retirement. Uh, although we'll see where, where, how he feels that's after, you know, another season, maybe the stars go on a playoff run, maybe, you know, there's still some, some things that could change there, but 
you know, and it's going to be interesting which coaches get back in. Is, is Paul Maurice ready to come back to hockey? Is, is John Tortorella um, someone that might get called up, you know, after his year on, on TV with ESPN? You know, I think it's it's fair to assume he'd be in the mix for jobs. You know, does Mike Babcock get a chance? Is there new coaches not on the radar? You know, I think that I think we're going to see a, a, a pretty big amount of turnover, actually, Julian all things considered. And it might not just be the 10 guys on expiring deals. You know, obviously someone with some term could, could find themselves out of a job as well. Okay. Siege, I have one last thing I want to ask you and pick your brain on that. I didn't plan on asking you, but I need to know off the top of your head, if you can give it to me, your thoughts on Austin Matthews being out with injury. And if that affects his heart trophy chances, or at least him getting to 60, but also the way Sheldon Keefe kind of described, you know, why they were keeping him out as long as they are clearly a bigger goal in mind, which is to succeed in the postseason. That's what they've been trying to navigate with this situation, right? Is because, you know, my understanding is Austin Matthews could have played the, the two games he sat out earlier this week, but you know, it's, they didn't feel it was wise because, you know, the Leafs are not in a position where they really need wins. You know, they're basically locked in at number two in the Atlantic division. And, you know, what's more important than 60 goals, and it's not to say Austin won't still get there, but what's more important than a hard trophy is a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And so I think they've been balancing how do they they try to honor and give Austin the best chance at some of those individual awards that he's, he's clearly in the mix for, while also you know, not sacrificing the Leafs team needs. And so this is what they've landed on. He, you know, he missed a game Sunday and Tuesday. We're recording Thursday morning, but my expectation is he'll play tonight in Tampa. It's not official at this point in time, but, but you know, that's where things were last headed when I checked in on this. And so, you know, he's, he's going to have potentially five games to score two goals. I like his odds based on the way the season's gone to get to 60. But yeah, I think it does impact to some degree his heart trophy um, case. It's, it's not huge, but, this, there's something nice about a big round number 60 that very few players ever get to. And so if, if there's circumstances here where he didn't reach 60, that, that could hurt him. You know, you're going to see the gap widen between him and Jonathan Huberto, Connor McDavid at the top of the scoring list, just because he's played uh, fewer games, uh, even though his points per game compare, compare favorably. So um, I, I do think it could have an impact on the voting. You know, the ballots still haven't gone out yet. People might not know that, but, but, no one can cast a ballot yet, even if some people maybe made up their mind about certain awards. And so this this last week or week and a half of regular season games could have a little say in it. And I, I don't think it harms it in a huge way. But look, we've had more time to see Johnny Goodrow come on. You've had time now to see Jonathan Huberto go right to the top of the scoring list. Um, maybe there's other players out there catching the voters' eyes. So, um, you know, it would be better for Austin to be playing in terms of winning those awards. But everyone decided it was best for the Leafs to, to give him some extra rest and, and have him be in the best position to, to make an impact on playoff time. We can't discount what's going on in Calgary either with, with Johnny Goudreau having what he's having in terms of not just a total point, total season, but in terms of even strength points, that dude has been killing it. I don't think anyone's had any as many points at even strength as he's had since like the nineties, if I recall correctly. And I don't know if Matthew Kachuk has already hit the 100 point plateau, but it has been a long time since the Calgary Flames have had two guys hit a hundred points on that team. We cannot discount what's happening in Calgary at all. The Edmonton Oilers, obviously with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, again, Connor McDavid just having himself a career season, just balling out. And we're all just kind of just being chill about it. And I still think even though he's not that great defensively, 
Jonathan Huberto, we can't forget about his season either. He is having a fantastic season in Florida. I'm all for more options. I still think it's Matthews for me at number one, but you've got Matt. For me, this is my grouping that I'm looking at right now. You got Matthews, you have McDavid, Johnny Goodrow, Roman Yossi was going to get serious consideration for me for the heart. Um, mm -hmm. You've got Huberto. And like, is Shesterkin still in there? I don't know. I, like, it, it, you've got six or seven guys, I think, that you have to at least really critically look at and consider um, for, for number one in a heart trophy. And so, that, again, I don't think that anything in these five games is truly going to change it, but it, it, it would help. Like, if Austin comes back and scores six goals, it's sort of an exclamation mark, right, in these five games. If he can't play for whatever reason, if this injury is more serious – and he only ends up at 58, even if, you know, it, I, it's just, it, it does matter a little bit. And I'm sure that's in his mind. Like it must be difficult for him because he wants to win a Stanley cup, but come on, the, the heart trophies dangling there is second rocket Richard's dangling there. Um, you know, this is, this is important stuff. This, this is, you know, we don't like talking because hockey's supposed to be all team, 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 but I, I think it's good for the Leafs too, to have a player that, that, that can do all these things. So you know, they're, they're balancing all that, and I'm sure it's not easy making those calls because he's not so injured he can't play. Yeah, if, if it was a different franchise, though, if it was a different franchise with different expectations and different playoff success, I think they'd be a little bit more lenient. But we all know what's the score in Toronto and what they need to do this year. This was a good conversation. Unless you, there's something else you wanted to add. I didn't mean to cut you off if you were It was. Do you know what's funny? I just took a sip, and I should mention, I'm drinking some good, good coffee. Oh, yeah. That, that isn't just a play on words. That's actually what the company's called. Uh, it was pretty cool. They, they sent uh, over a, a generous amount of coffee. I've got the Midnight Run going here. It's a darker coffee and it's uh, it's powered us through today. Like I'm, I'm feeling really good this morning and I think it's it's got to be connected to this good, good coffee because there's no false advertising on that. There is no false advertising on that. Please shout out. Local Toronto brand. You know, we like to do that. I like to look after the the smaller brands around here and they, they uh, very generous of them to send that over. And I appreciate it. Can you remind everyone again about the brand where uh, your funny bear hat comes from? Because someone still asked on the last episode. Did you notice I had a new one last episode? You didn't shout it out, but I had a great one last episode. North well, you know what? That's true. You did have a new one. North Standard I should have shouted company. North Standard Trading Company. Do you know what? I'm not making this up. I get asked about it in public like once a day if I wear that hat, at least. Like it, it, it's amazing. Like they, they, I'm trying to send them everyone I can, but like the only problem is I don't want the whole city wearing the same hat as me, but you know, I might have to deal with that. <laughs> That's okay, man. Maybe they can make you like a brand ambassador or something. <laughs> no, I'm just happy to give them business. Honestly, again, it's a small company and, and if, if I can help send a few people their way, that's, that's good enough for me. It is a new hat. I'm looking back at like a clip from the episode from earlier this week. It is new. I should have pointed that out. My apologies. It's a very swanky hat. And with that, it's time for us to get to stick taps. I'm going to give my stick taps to Robert and Jamie for putting together uh, the fan poll for us. And uh, just everyone else who uh, in advance of them uh, supporting us on fan show Friday, uh, just letting, letting everyone know where they listen to our great show. So those are who I'm going to give the stick taps to for this week. What about you? Well, my stick tap's a little more uh, difficult, but uh, goes to a guy by the name of Gary Moore uh, from my hometown of Coburg. Uh, he died this week, was a, a good friend of my dad's, 
you know, really, as, as long as I can remember, I think probably even predating my birth, uh, golfed with them every summer whenever I'd go home to golf with my dad. Huge hockey fan. In fact, Julian, I was in Coburg in January, and he, he just happened to stop by my dad's house. And he mentioned he listened to every show of our podcast. At that time, he was going through uh, cancer treatments, and he said that when he went in for his weekly cancer treatment, he loved listening to our show. Uh, so he was a, a loyal listener. He also mentioned at that point he was he's a long-suffering Leafs fan, and he said that it was driving him nuts because he felt like whenever he watched the Leafs game, they'd lose. Or if he was like late to the first period, they'd be up three nothing, and then he'd tune in and they'd blow the lead. So he was having a love hate um, with the Leafs at that point in time, and, and I'm sure a lot of people out there that, that cheer for the team can identify with that. So just a great man, wonderful guy, a great friend of my family's, and uh, we're sorry that um, you know to him and his family that ultimately lost his cancer battle this week. Absolutely, my condolences to him. And uh, thank you all to everyone for listening or watching this episode, wherever you consume this podcast. CJ, I appreciate you as always. Thank you, obviously, uh, for your time. Uh, you know, whenever we do these shows together, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode on the Monday and on the Thursday. And we're going to keep going all the way through the playoffs as well. Subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page for other podcasts and other great clips. And uh, keep in mind of the fan poll, which uh, we'll be sharing out throughout social media. And of course, for Fan Show Friday, please tweet out a photo or any photo of us. Just, you know, you're listening to us or watching us wherever you listen to us. Uh, you have a chance at winning a $100 gift card from the SDPN. For CJ, I'm Julian Wait. Singh. So long. Wait, oh. we okay. forgot one thing. What did we Big win by the Cobra Cougars on Wednesday night. Overtime victory to move into round three of the OJHL playoffs. Uh, I got to get down to Coburg for a game. So shout out to the Cougars. Uh, love watching from afar their, their playoff run. Okay, we have to shout them out. So, so long and go Cougars. For CJ, I'm Julian Singh. So long. Peace, guys. Cheers. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.